This is Fantasy Book Club. Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Book Club. This is the Internet's Book Club just by listening to our member. My name is Colton Pratt. And I'm Sydney Lyerly. And we are still reading Fairy Tale by Stephen King, uh, but we're getting to the fun sections. So that's the that's fun getting section. it's getting very fun. <laughs> um, I am I am uh, very excited to talk this week uh, about our reading. And this week we read chapters twenty four four all the way to the end of twenty five. Yep. Um, and good news that's the last time that we split up a chapter in this entire book. Everything what, after what? this is what, what? just full chapter reading. Yeah. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. So. So next week, we're doing 26 and 27. Easy. Easy to remember. Easy peasy to remember. Yes. Easy peasy. It's so easy. All righty. So we're going to get right into it. I have 24. And so we're going to start at 24-4. And this is just listing more people who survived the first round of the fair one is how it opens. Because if you don't remember last week, we kind of got cut off halfway through the first round of the fair one. Yeah. And so the people who survived the rest of it were uh, Bolt killed Tom, Kamet killed uh, Dami, Bendo killed Dash, Double killed Eva, Stooks killed Hatcha, Pag died to Quilly. I really mixed that up. Burn <laughs> killed Gully, Okta killed Hill, Eris killed Vic- Viz. Um, and then after all of that happened, uh, it starts. it's time for Claw and Charlie to fight. And Charlie is really getting freaked out by Claw because Claw was just staring at him, smiling, being really freaky um, for like a long time. And uh, Charlie is desperately trying to figure out what Claw's weakness is because uh, I claims to have figured out Claw's weakness. And so Charlie keeps replaying the time they fought in his head where Claw punched him in the throat. Uh, I crawled to the cell. Claw went and found the bucket. And that's the end of the fight. Yeah. And so he's trying to figure out what could be the weakness of this guy. Um, and then uh, freaking Charlie was just like trying to get him to stop staring. And so he yells, yells mean things and throws a drumstick at him. <laughs> Charlie in this uh, section kind of makes me laugh because he becomes very like dark and evil for a hot second. Uh, yeah. And um, he he. For this like this chapter, he kind of stays. He keeps referencing this like dark well in the pit of his stomach, where he could like evil comes from the dark well, and he's able to draw from the dark well in his stomach. Weird, whatever, but that's what happens. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so he's definitely not a Disney prince here. Yeah. Uh, when he threw the drumstick at Claw, it hit a bucket and it made Claw jump, and that was another thing that Charlie's trying to draw from to figure out Claw's weakness. Um, and so. Uh, finally it gets to more people fight more people die one of them comes back like with this skull caved in like he won technically but his skull is caved in he's basically dead yeah. which one was that gully uh is that gully yeah yeah so gully gully comes back from his fight with burned and he won but he was like barely alive with his skull was like caved in on the right side yeah. um so that's sad but otherwise most of them came back pretty okay like as earlier i said stooks one but he had a hole in his cheek like there was little little damage to them but they're like mostly all it kind of freaks me out that you can see stook's teeth through the hole in his mouth yeah that (laughs) i don't like that image (laughs) (laughs) yeah it it does seem pretty gruesome for sure um it's it's a like yeah it's it's gruesome also uh doc freed is pretty badly injured but that was from last week he's still injured but otherwise most of them come back with just cuts and bruises a few major injuries but nothing that's killing anybody except for gully um yeah and then eventually it gets to the time when uh charlie and claw need to go out into the field and he keeps saying over and over charlie keeps saying try repeating in his head the fight that they happened uh between iota and claw the blow. Iota goes down. The bucket rolls. Iota crosses for his pallet. Claw turns to look for the bucket. Over and over, he's saying this list of things in his head, and he's yes. trying to figure out what Claw's weakness could be. Mm-hmm. And at the end of section five, he finally figures it out because uh, Claw just doesn't seem to notice him when he when Charlie walks up next to him. Uh, Claw has no peripheral vision. Claw yeah. can only really see out the front of his face, and he doesn't have peripheral vision. That'd be a really crappy thing to have in a fight (laughs) like oh or just in general like having no peripheral vision would be terrible 
And I should yeah. also point out the fact that I don't know that you mentioned this, but I does like when Charlie and Claw leave, I does like a signal with his hand. Yeah. To be like puts his hand like against the side of his face. And it was to kind of help out. So I think that's a good little personality trait for I to like help out a little. Uh, Yes, absolutely. I forgot about that. I did. I did help out with by showing him like a horse blinder looking thing. Yeah. To be like, he has no peripheral. Um, And uh, then section six, they were led over to kneel before Eldon, the the flight killer. Yeah. And um, when they were led over to do that, uh, Kellen says, um, never mind looking at the make believe prince, you great idiot. Pay heed to the real king instead. So apparently Kellen does actually know that they all think that Charlie is a prince yeah. because he he references that. He references it a few times in this chapter, these two chapters. He like the the guards seem to know that people think of Charlie as a prince, which I mean makes sense if the, if there was prophecies about a blonde haired blue eyed kid and he's like people are all treating him weirdly it makes sense that they yeah. figure it out i mean he can hide his hair but he can't really hide the fact that his eyes are changing colors yeah absolutely um and uh, when they get over there uh petra the woman standing next the, the petra is the woman who like licked the juice off of freaking eldon's face gross <laughs> <laughs> yeah um she she starts chanting, Neil old blood, Neil old blood. And so they all together start chanting, Neil old blood, Neil old blood. Um uh, and eventually uh they both knelt because they don't want to get killed by Kellen or shocked by Kellen's stick. Uh yeah. so they eventually uh Claw and Charlie both decide to kneel. Um and Charlie knows that Eldon looks like he's almost dead. Like he looks like he is at the verge of being uh of of dying. Yeah. And uh he also notices Red Molly is is there. She's standing to the side. She's big. Um, yeah. So we finally get to meet um Petra, Eldon, and Red Molly. So three characters we've known about yes. for a while, but we finally actually get to meet them, which is kind of cool, I think. Yes, absolutely. Um and <laughs> funny enough, uh he when he's looking at Red Molly, Red Molly gives him a kissy face. Red Molly goes <laughs> and kisses at him, which I think is pretty cute. <laughs> Um, and I have a dramatic reading I would like to do with this section. Okay. Flight killer spoke in a clotted voice that sounded nothing like the insectal buzz of the night soldiers. It was as if he was speaking through a throat filled with some vicious liquid. No, none of the others had been subjected to anything like this. They would have said, the horror of that inhuman voice was indelible. Who is the king of the gray world, formerly Empress? Those in the box and the rest of the spectators responded smartly, shouting it out. Eldon! Flight Killer was looking down at us with those huge, egg-like eyes. Limber sticks came down on my neck and claws. Say it. Kellen buzzed. Eldon, we said. Who brought down the monarchs of Earth and the monarchs of the air? Eldon! Petra shouted it with the rest and louder. Her hand was caressing one of Eldon's hanging green jowls. The purple robe rose and fell, rose and fell, in half a dozen different places. Eldon, Claw and I said, not wanting to be swatted again. Let the match begin. This was a call that seemed to require no response except applause and a few cheers. Kellen was between the two of us, just far enough away to keep his aurora from touching us. Stand and face the field, he said. We did so, and I could see Claw from the corner of my eye, on my right. He turned his head to take a quick glance at me, then faced forward. Seventy or so yards dead ahead were the weapons of combat. There was something surreal about their careful spacing, like prizes to be won in some homicidal game show. So that's the setup for the big battle arena. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, and I'll, I'll tell you about the setup that they have. They have uh, 70 yards ahead of... of uh, Claw and Charlie, there is a three tables on the one towards Charlie's side is um like a, a bucket full of the limber stick, not the limber sticks, but like the bamboo wooden sticks, not a killing stick, but just like a wooden stick. In the middle, there's a table with two of two gloves with like f- fist spikes so that they can punch each other to death, I guess. And then yeah. on Claw's side, very clearly kind of leaning towards Claw. There is a uh, bucket full of like spears, short spears. Yeah. So it seems very like uh, Charlie thinks it probably not unintentionally. It is uh, weighted towards Claw having a better weapon. Like the I, chances of Claw having a better weapon. Seem I high. just want to say that 
um, this whole thing, like, in the section we read is very cult-like. Yeah. It gives me very cult vibes. Yeah. And then just this whole entire, like, thing. It's just, it's super cult-like. And then this whole fight, it's just, it's, it's so bad. <laughs> and I feel really bad for Charlie in this part because, like, he can clearly see that it's, you know, like you said, it looks to him as if it's favored so that Claw can win. Yeah. And it's just, it's called the fair one, but it's definitely not very fair. <laughs> <laughs> <What a> dumb joke. <laughs> I, I got tried. me. That was stupid. You did a good job. Um, anyway. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and then Flight Killer yells, no. And speaking of Flight Killer, did you like my Flight Killer voice? Yes, I did. <laughs> I was trying really hard not to laugh when you started talking that way. <laughs> I thought it was funny. <laughs> I feel like while you were reading the first paragraph, I was desperately filling my mouth with spit so that I could get kind of the gargly sound. So you were reading it. I was That's like desperately disgusting. trying to like get my mouth to fill up with spit. That's what it described it as. Like, it described it like how I did it. <laughs> I know what I was like thinking when you started doing it. I was like, dang, you definitely sound like you got some spit there. I was like, how'd you do that? Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway. Flight Killer yells now and it ends section six. Yeah. Section seven begins with Charlie and Claw sprinting towards the middle of the arena trying to get the weapons. Mm -hmm. Charlie considers trying to cut in front of Claw to get the short spear. But um, he thinks that if he does that, he'd, he'd be in Claw vision zone and also Claw stabbing zone. Yeah. And he's not a fan of either of those options. And so instead, Honestly, he goes fair. left. and Yeah. Oh, for sure. Definitely fair. Claw seems like a scary guy. <laughs> um, and so instead he goes left and gets some of those like less deadly but still very painful bamboo rods or whatever that he can whack each other with. Yeah. Um, and he decides that's going to be uh, what he does. Petra screams at Claude to, and I quote, cut off his his pizzle and bring it to me. <laughs> and so <laughs> make a guess, Sydney. Everyone <laughs> no, in this I'm chapter good. references it as a pizzle, but I think I know what it is. <laughs> Um. Uh, Claw then like swings his swings his uh his spear at Charlie a few times, and uh, Charlie basically whacks him a bunch. Charlie yeah. gets into his blind spot as best he can and whacks him on the back of the head, and like that's kind of his whole plan. Um, and he just keeps dancing just out of range of Claw <laughs> and getting around the sides and whacking him. What? I looked up what Pizzle was. <laughs> okay, tell me what Pizzle was then, Sydney. <laughs> no, I don't want to, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> is it, hey, Sydney, is it what I thought it was? I should say, yes. I should say specifically, it's um, specifically a part of an animal, especially a bull. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so not necessarily a human, but same general concept. <laughs> same idea, yeah. Yes. Um, and so eventually... Charlie dodges a swing, manages to jump on the back of Claw, get him in a chokehold with the bar over his throat, and hold, like he says, it's what followed was an insane piggyback ride because Charlie <laughs> yeah. rode him like a rode, rode, rode him piggyback while choking him out. Um, Claw struggles to get him off. Eventually, Claw just like jumps onto his back, which I will say is the first thing I would have done. The struggling would not have happened if someone jumps on my back to try and choke me. Yeah. I am just let, falling flat on my back. I don't care what you're – that will hurt no matter how big you are if I just yeah. fall straight on your gut. Yeah. So that, that would have been my first thing, but Claw takes well, a minute to get there. I don't think Claw is that smart necessarily. <laughs> it's fair enough. Um, <laughs> and then Claw, Claw fall, eventually does fall on his back, and Charlie still holds him over and over, uh, holds him tight until eventually uh, – Claw start stops like moving, and so Charlie gets out, um, struggles to stand up because he had been crushed by giant claw. So he had yeah. <laughs> takes a minute to get up onto his feet, and when <laughs> yeah. he turns around, he finds he finds Claw like trying to crawl his way back to the spear, and so uh, Charlie walks over and he picked up the picked up Claw's spear. Claw, right before he died, Claw put his hand to his head in a salute and said, my prince. And then Charlie stabbed it through his face. Yeah. So that was Yikes. pretty brutal. Um, to be fair, he didn't yeah. have much other choice. But it also says that he doesn't Still regret it afterwards. Do. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so after that, uh, that's the end of section seven. In section eight, uh, he's made to kneel before Elden again. 
yeah. then uh, Eldon says, "Well fought." Well, let me do his voice. Well fought, well fought. <laughs> but he seems pretty distracted. Um, yeah. and uh, he's oozing out of many a holes. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> like like they said earlier, under his robe, there's like twelve different little areas that are moving independent of each other. Yeah, I still think he's somehow a kind of like puppet being mastered by things under the robe. I don't know what it could be under the robe, but I mm-hmm. think he's kind of being controlled by something under the robe. Yeah, I think that would be a weird twist, but that's what my guess is. <laughs> um, I guess we'll see. <laughs> Uh, and then, and then, freaking Red Molly shows up and says, uh, says to Charlie, "Today you fought an enemy. Um, next time you'll fight a friend. Should you survive, I'll cut off your pizzle and give it to Petra to add to her collection." To her collection. <laughs> hold on, hold on. How many pizzles does this woman have, and why does she have them? <laughs> I didn't probably even... a few. She likes them. That's weird. It is weird. Oh my gosh. I don't think when I read that the first time it really registered in my mind that like <laughs> she had a whole collection of pistols. And I just would like to know one, how many she has, two, why she has them all, why she has a collection <laughs> at all, because that's weird. Yeah. Um, and three, uh, where she got them from? Whose are they? <laughs> well, good news, listener. I know what's gonna happen to you if you don't read for next week. So no. Uh, <laughs> no. um, you want a fun fact about pizzles no i don't <laughs> moonshiners illegal moonshiners use a raccoon pizzle in order to Ew. guide them like the stream yeah Ew. it's a pretty common practice a raccoon pizzle takes part in in moonshining <laughs> what i didn't even know that thank you ever <laughs> um all right that's the end of section eight and then in section nine um the Lord High Kellen escorts him, uh, escorts Charlie back to the, uh, like the room with all the people. Yeah, and he says, "You surprised me, Charlie. I thought Claw would have had your head quicky quick. Next yeah. time, you'll fight one of your friends, not Iota. I think we'll save him. Perhaps little Jaya. How would you enjoy stopping her heart as you did Claw's? Yikes! So that's kind of a brutal thing to say to a person. Oh, but yeah. yeah, he he considers making Charlie fight. Uh, fight Jaya, but spoilers. If you've read, you already know that never happens. Yeah, so that's good. Um, he was supposed to. Yeah, though. he was supposed to. He walks back into the room with the six, the fifteen other people, and they all are super, super surprised to find that he beat Claw. Except and so for they Gully. all kneel and put their hand on their head because Gully's yeah. like dying. <laughs> yeah, because he's unconscious with a, with his skull caved in. But yes. the ones who are conscious put their hands on their head and kneel and say, "My prince." Um, so that's cool. I mean, they all they all are double, triple assured now that yeah. Charlie is Prince. They've said it a hundred thousand times, but they think it now. Charlie is the prince. <laughs> um then section 10 starts. They take a little showers and bath to wash off, and they keep staring at Charlie, and Charlie tells them to not stare. And then he was like, and then they made a point to not look at me, <laughs> which was equally uncomfortable. <laughs> um so yeah, he's he feels very uncomfortable. Uh and then they walk back to their cells in Deep Moline, and they are not locked into their cells. They're allowed to wander and, and mingle, I guess, this time because yeah. the like door to Deep Moline is locked, but the cells themselves aren't, so they can kind of walk around with each other. Yeah. And uh, they also get special dinners, <laughs> yep. which is a good consolation. Killed a couple friends, get a special dinner. That's all. That's well, what I always yet. say. We haven't gotten to that part yet. That's in my yeah, but, section. But, what are you doing? <laughs> sorry. One of the one of the night soldiers proclaims special dinner tonight, kitties. Oh, okay. Big well. food and dessert to follow. So yeah. as that's what I was saying. Yeah. Um and uh they they uh walk to each other and like start talking and stuff. Yeah. Um freaking Charlie walked over and saw Gully with his head sculpt caved in. Aris is tending to him, and Aris says that he's not gonna survive the night. Um and Charlie kind of is like, oh, and leaves. <laughs> um, and then he walks over to Iota's cell and Iota and him kind of start uh, just talking about escaping. Charlie says, if there's a way out of here, a way to escape, would you try it with me? And they he basically Iota and him are like, "Ooh, we're going to start trying to escape. Yeah. And that's the end of my chapter. 
now it's time for Sydney's chapter. Sure um, is. I have I have what I like to call zero um uh guesses about what's gonna happen because your chapter answers all of my theories, and so I don't want to theorize until after you get to read yours. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Um, so I will do chapter twenty-five now. So I will read the title. So they're a banquet, I receive a visitor, inspiration doesn't knock, and then who wants to live forever? Yep. And I just want to say the picture on this chapter is so brutal. It's it's gruesome. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it like, really is. Um, what I read a this spoiler as to what happens too. Well, I to be fair, I didn't. I, okay, I'll tell you. I'll describe this, listener. It is a looks like a human body exploding. <laughs> it is a, it, yeah. That's the photo. It's human body just exploding. <laughs> and to be fair, when I first saw this picture, I did not know whose human body it was that was exploding. And so I was really freaked out about who in the world was going to just straight up explode. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a gruesome drawing of a, of a guy exploding. If you want to see it and you have it, don't have the physical book, you can go to our Instagram because that will be posted uh, when this episode yeah. goes up. So if you want to see it, check out over there. Um, yep. But there's one, one more thing I want to say is when I was reading, I, I kid you not, I was probably on this page not reading for like a full minute of me just looking at this image like, oh, <laughs> oh no. Oh. That's funny. <laughs> just examining it. <laughs> just, looking, just looking at this dude exploding. Yeah, it's gruesome. It's wicked. You know what freaks me out the most? His what? eyeballs flying out of his yeah. skull. Yeah, I, well, I don't like the tongue either. The the, dis, the dislocated yeah. tongue flying away. Not a fan of that either. None of it's great. <laughs> um, the whole eye thing freaks me out the most because, like, I just one of my biggest fears is my eyeball falling out, which is such a weird thing. But, Why? But I don't know. I just can't like in movies and horror movies when people have like their eyes like that fall out of their side. I can't. It freaks me out. It like literally makes me want to throw up i just can't i can't do it <laughs> do you know that scene have you you don't watch marvel do you um i've seen a couple of the movies never mind then well which one is it from i might have seen it the avengers okay yeah i've seen the original one okay so the scene where and loki the puts a second one the scene where loki puts a dude on the table and and scans his eyeball with a device you know um yeah i listener you might know this I he's scanning the eyeball so that the other device can like put the scan to an eye to like a, an ID thing where you need to scan your eye, and yeah, in the movie, the little the scan the eye scanner Loki's has like a blade that goes and like spins really fast and he shabs it into the guy's eye and the guy like twitches and stuff. But also, on the other side, when the hologram is made, you can see the eye still moving around in the hologram, like as if the guy is still looking around. Does the guy listener? You tell me your thing. Does the guy get to keep his eye in that, or does that does that kill him? There's three things, three options. He dies. He lives without one eye. He lives and he gets to keep the eye. And the device was needlessly brutal because I can't. Sorry, listener, if you know the answer, let me know because I always thought the dude just lived with an eye and it was just a needlessly brutal device. Anyway, <laughs> such an off topic. Well, eyeballs. Fantasy Book Club turns to Marvel questions instead. <laughs> Marvel Watch Club. Marvel Movie Club. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, anyways, so we start off this chapter with um, the banquet that Colton was talking about. Um, so instead of uh, like half raw pieces of meat, they uh, Percy and then two other great folk along with um, some of the night soldiers come in and they... Uh, bring in like this huge pot which reminds um col or not colin <laughs> charlie yeah it um, reminds me <laughs> reminds charlie of hansel and gretel um which if you haven't noticed we have a bonus episode out um yeah if you listen to the whole thing uh on our patreon if you join our patreon the whole entire thing's on there and we read uh, one of the stories we read is hansel and gretel so. Yes, sir. It was a good one. Just a it, plug there. <laughs> yeah, just honestly, very impressed by your ability to plug that. That you that was smooth like <laughs> butter, Sydney. Great job. <laughs> Thank you. I really tried. <laughs> Go um, listen to the bonus anyways, episode. You'll enjoy it. Yeah, it's good. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, so in the the pot is like soup like creamy yeah. thick soup it's got like chicken in it peas carrots corn 
all this stuff. And um, Percy, and he gives it to them. He tells them to put them in his, in like the food in the cell and then come back because there's more. And Real quick. So they also get, yes. Percy talks in like gray man speak almost every time in this book. So he says, put it in your cell. But then when he says there's more, he nails it. For some reason, it, it really caught me off guard <laughs> that there's more wasn't in, in gray prison speak. Because it says, you put right. it in your hell. There's more. Like, it, it's weird that it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> um. Anyways, so there is more. So there's fruit salad, which, yummy, like, yummy. it's fresh fruit, sounds so good. There's, like, mm-hmm. what, strawberries, blueberries, peaches. I love peaches, okay? I'm so excited for it to be peach season here soon because I love peaches. Um, <laughs> <but> anyways. <laughs> Thanks for letting me know, Sydney. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, (laughs) There's also, and so Charlie downs this like immediately because he's so used to eating like just meat that like this fruit and stuff is so like extra special. Um, Mm -hmm. So he eats it really quick. And then there's also pie. And so there's different types of pie. So uh, I, I gets apple and I believe Charlie gets some kind of like cream pie or something like that. Okay. Um, so they eat it. They have this banquet. They're kind of mingling. Eventually, the guards and the kitchen crew leave, and the cell doors like remain remain open. Um, they're just kind of sitting, talking. Um, and once they're all finished, I comes up to Charlie and asks, like, he says, "How do you reckon to get past the night soldiers, Charlie?" Um, and Charlie's like, "I don't really know." Yeah. Amit is there too, and Amit is kind of kind of being a little bit of a jerk here. He's he's like. How do you not know, like, you yeah. know, expecting Charlie to have all the answers immediately? Um, And Charlie says, he says, at least not yet. How many are there, do you think, counting Kellen? And so I, who's been in Deep Moline for a really long time, mm-hmm. tells Charlie he thinks there's 20 or 25 night soldiers at most. Um, Because and he also says, he says, not many of the King's guards stood with Eldon when he came back as the flight killer. So that leads to kind of some theories about how the night guard became because yeah. it sounds like they were part of the king's guard before. Yeah. And then now they're whatever they are now. Absolutely. Um yeah. So they talk about um how to get rid of them. Um they talk about the fact that during the day their aurora is a lot weaker, yeah. but that's not really going to help them cuz they only ever see them really at night. Like it's very rare that they see them during the day. Yeah. And obviously the fair one will also be at night. Um, and Amit, again, is just kind of being a jerk. He's like, you have no idea what you're doing and whatever. And and Charlie Charlie says, listen to me, you two, and spread the word. There is a way out. like Because he knows from last episode, yeah. if you remember, Percy left that note that said something about the officials' room. Um, so Charlie knows that there's a way out. He just doesn't know yet how to get out. Yeah. Um, and so they just kind of talk about that and talk about charlie thinking about it and that's really kind of the end of section one so in section two uh percy and the kitchen crew come back along with um some of the night soldiers and uh the night soldiers at this point their aurora is a lot um lighter and so clearly it's <laughs> it's yeah. daytime yeah for um sure. yeah and they this time get um more so they get more you know fun food so they're not not as fancy as the night as it's earlier like, but they only get like pancakes um yes eventually i don't oh, think sorry. that's during this section My but bad. yes they do get pancakes eventually um sorry i got excited <laughs> to talk about pancakes freaking <laughs> love okay. pancakes okay <laughs> i'm glad you love pancakes <laughs> Um, so they come back to take take the bowls. I said they would come back for food, but they don't. They come back to take the yeah. bowls the food was in. My bad. <laughs> I yeah. done messed up. <laughs> Little liar. Uh, how rude. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they come back to take the food bowls. Uh, Charlie, like this, everyone starts kind of laying down to go to sleep because they're all tired, which, you know, is fair. Uh, Charlie struggles to sleep a little because he's thinking about, um, 
Claw's last moment when he before he killed him, and he's also thinking about Stooks because Stooks, when he was eating the food, had to cover his his hole in his mouth so the food didn't drip out, which is a yeah. really disgusting image to me. For sure, I hate that image. Oh yeah, um, I feel thinking like thinking about that. Cheeks are incredibly too weak for what they are. Cheeks are so thin. <laughs> are, it, it's not hard. Sorry, my fingers were in my mouth. It's not hard to cut through a cheek. It's pretty thin, and they're pretty important. Yeah, and that I just yeah. have. And also, like, they're easy to damage. There's so many muscles in your face to make facial expressions work. And they're pretty freaking yeah. easy to damage. They're not protected well. It makes it drives me crazy <laughs> how unprotected they all are. <laughs> well, I'm not really tell you, sure what to tell you about that one. We could the have Joker really... from the Dark Knight imagine... shouldn't have been able to emote as well. He lost a lot of muscle in those cuts along his cheeks. He should not have been that good at emoting <laughs> as he was. Um... <laughs> Can you imagine, though, if we had really thick, like, skin on our cheeks, we wouldn't be able to move our faces probably at all. <laughs> We'd have That's no true. facial if we expressions. Ha- if we were, like, if we had, like, freaking, uh, well, I think the main issue is our soft stuff is on the outside and hard stuff is on the inside. And, like, there are animals, yeah. like crabs, where that's the other way around. And I really think that crabs got it right to have a carapace. I, I, I just... <laughs> I can't imagine why it would be, ever be better to have soft on the outside. <laughs> That's just my opinion, though. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, so Charlie eventually does fall asleep, and he dreams of Princess Leia and holding um, his mother's hairdryer. Um, Princess Leia, not the he... Star Wars person, though. No, not the Star Wars. The, the Leia in our book. <laughs> yeah, Leia the um, whatever her name is. <laughs> Uh, Leia of the Galilean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he, he dreams about her and he realizes that there's a purpose for the dream, but he doesn't know what it is yet. Um, and he doesn't have really time to think about it too much because he eventually gets woken up and he wakes up to the gas jet, um, that had fallen out before that I had said to Colton was like something important later. And now we find out why it is. Um, but the gas jet starts like wobbling in the hole. No, sorry, it's not a bomb. I actually think it's better than a bomb, though. <laughs> it's funnier than a bomb, for sure. <laughs> um, but the, the gas jet starts moving, and Iota also wakes up, yeah. and the two of them are watching this. Everyone else is asleep, but the two of them are watching this happen, and eventually the gas jet falls out and is, like, dangling there, and uh, a giant cat-sized cricket, red cricket, comes out. Um, and so if you remember... Charlie's met this cricket before, and the reason he knows that is because when the cricket comes out, it's still limping. Mm-hmm. And so, if you remember, um, Charlie on his way to um the the city ran into Peterkin, who was torturing this cricket, and he si- kind of saved the cricket's life basically. And, and now then the cricket's back, which I think. And Peterkin's the one who got him caught here as well. Yeah. Yes. Really, that um, meeting was I... a really eventful meeting for Charlie. If he had just left it alone, yeah. no, this book would be much shorter. Yes. <laughs> but to be fair, I think it's a very good, like, oh, Charlie did this good this good thing and helped this cricket, and so now the cricket's coming back to help him, which I think is a good little Is the cricket little sentient, like something... a human-level sentient? Like, because he seems to um, understand human speech, the cricket. Do you want an answer to that? I can give you an answer. Do you want an answer? The inspiration for Jiminy Cricket. Wait, this book. Okay, it's back to it. It's the thing of this book. (laughs) Everything in it is a reference to a fairy tale that exists. Is this a reference to Jiminy Cricket? The the, the conscience of Pinocchio? Is that what? Is he going to start talking and being the conscience of Pinocchio? Or of Charlie, I guess? Um, It is. I I nailed it. (laughs) You know what? I nailed it. Um, He's Jiminy Cricket. (laughs) Okay, if you say so. I will say, Cole and I had talked about this earlier, because we had discussed whether we wanted later to rank the cricket as a character, and we decided we weren't going to. Yeah. But um, I will say, eventually the cricket will be a character, so keep that okay. in mind. So he does talk. Um, Freaking, yeah, it says, and gives him some is, some good moral advice. <laughs> some well, if you want to be a real boy, Charlie advice. He is a sentient cricket. <laughs> yeah. Um. But anyways. The cricket comes up to Charlie, squeezes through the cell the cell bars, and um, Charlie is like, I remember you. He's like talking to the cricket, and the cricket doesn't really say anything, but it kind of looks at him, and Charlie's like, "He." Re- the cricket also remembers me. 
and uh, Charlie reaches out and like pets the top of its head and the cricket kind of rolls over onto its side and underneath it is a bit of like folded paper. You wanted tummy scratches. Um, Tummy scratches. I also... (laughs) (laughs) What was that? Why did you say that? I don't know. I totally forgot to say, by the way, earlier during the... I think it was during the banquet, maybe? Um... Charlie bit into something and there was a piece of paper and a pencil in it that he could write on. I forgot to add that. From Percy. That's important here. Yes, from Percy. Um, but anyways, uh, Charlie opens this little piece of paper he finds in the cricket and starts to to read it. And on it, it says, are you alive? Can we help you? Please reply. Please reply if you can. Dog is safe. See. And so first off, he realizes that radar is okay because he figures that this note is from Claudia yeah. Um. So he knows that radar is is safe and alive, and there's also a piece of dog fur like stuck to it, which is a little weird. But she also sniffs, know, which is even more weird to me. Is that he sniffs? Yeah, yes, I agree. But we know that radar is alive, which is good. It makes me happy that radar is okay. Radar is a good girl. Yes. Um. So radar's alive. She found Claudia, and um. Charlie, when he rereads the note he's thinking about how to respond because he, so he rips up the little piece of paper that um, Percy gave him. He rips it in half. So now he's got two even tinier pieces of paper. Yeah. Um, But he thinks, and it says, he realizes the note says, can we help you? So not just can I. So Charlie's like, okay. um, It's not just Claudia by herself. She's probably at least got Leia and Woody. And he thinks if there's a chance that they've also gathered some gray people, that would be really great because the more people they have gathered, like if all the, the living royals come and help, plus a bunch of gray people, then there might be a chance that they could help us get out is what he thinks. It's going to be a cool chase sequence later. I know it. Yes, maybe. I don't know. Don't confirm. Sydney confirmed it and then immediately was like, I shouldn't have confirmed it. No. And so she said, <laughs> I actually, maybe. I actually don't. I don't remember, actually. I was just saying yes to agree with you. Like, I don't <laughs> Thank you for know. your support. <laughs> I appreciate you just, your 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 uh, levels of support always. Of course, Colton, yes. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyways, uh, so Charlie decides to write on his little piece of paper. He, sa- he writes, alive, watch for next night, field of monarchs lights up. Come if you are many, not if you are few. So basically he means... The next night when um, the fair one happens and the, the stadium's all lit up, um, they're supposed to come if there's a lot of them. So the royals plus a bunch of great people. And if it's just the royals, he doesn't want them to come because he doesn't figure yeah. they're going to be able to help much. Yeah. Um. So and then he, sh- he signs it Prince Charlie, which is funny <laughs> to me, I think. Yeah. They might confuse um, him, though. Who in the world is sh- what's a Charlie? I only know Charlie. Well, uh, yeah, I know. She he, says I Charlie. think he signs it that way because Claudia calls him Charlie. Yeah. But he also, um, that, but, I think the bigger thing is that he said Prince there, honestly. Not necessarily yeah. that it's that it's Charlie, but more that he actually signed it as Prince. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny. Um, but he goes back to the cricket, pushes the cricket, the cricket kind of over, and there's some gluey stuff, which is how the note was originally stuck to the bottom of the cricket. And he sticks the new um note to the bottom of the cricket, hoping that it'll stay, and tells the cricket to go go back to claudia and so the cricket does it squeezes through the cell squeezes back into the hole and kind of goes off um so we don't know whether the cricket will get there whether the note will stay attached like there's a lot of questions here but um the cricket goes and stooks wakes up and is like what the heck is that and charlie's like it's clearly a cricket duh come on idiot um but so the the cricket leaves and um Charlie tells uh, Snooks and I that they need to pass on the fact that they have to wait until the second round. Before it happens, we're getting out of here. And um, Snooks is like, how are we doing this? And Charlie's like, I'm still working on it, so leave me alone. And um, so just to pass on to the others that there's going to be a way we're getting out of here. I just don't know what it is yet. Charlie seems um, to be very confident and also confused. All the time in these chapters, yes. he spends he spends so much time in these chapters being both confident and confused somehow. Yeah. Um, but that's the end of section two. So section section three. So um, the next day, there's 
no playtime, uh, no banquet, but there is breakfast. And because Percy's on his own, Charlie gives him uh, the other half of the piece of paper that he had split into two. He writes, how go from official's room? So he gives it to um, he gives it to Percy and Percy kind of puts it away and then leaves. Um, the word is kind of spreading around Deep Moline that Charlie has a plan. And he thinks that if the night soldiers come, he worries that there's because there's like this air of hope kind of happening and like excitement going on and he worries that if the night soldiers come especially aaron or kellen because they seem more aware of what's going on they seem like worries that they're going to be able to tell that you know something's up um but he doesn't really care too much he's like there's not much i can do at this point everyone's excited you know there's hope um he thinks about how much he longs for freedom and like he, he really wants to save the people of Empus and fix whatever's going on, but he figures the best case scenario is freedom. And if he can save the people along the way, that'd be great. But if not, he just wants to get out of Deep Moline and out of For sure. um, the city. For sure. Um, he also really, really wants to kill the Night Soldiers, like really, yeah. really badly. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, Amit in this section is again kind of being a jerk. Um, I should also say Gully... Gully dies during this section. Oh no, Gully! He, yeah, because he was the one with his head caved in, and so he officially dies. Yeah. Um, but Amit again, like I said, was is kind of being a jerk. He says, "If there's a way to deal with the night soldiers, you better figure it out quick." I don't know about flight killer, but Petra won't want to wait long for some more killing. Mm-hmm. And so they're kind of pushing Charlie to figure it out, and he's hasn't really figured it out yet. Um. Because he's he's very confused, like you said. He doesn't really know what to do. Uh, so that's the end of section three. Section yeah. four. This is when um, uh, Percy brings pancakes. So they're thinking about the fact that if it's sausages, then they're kind of screwed because that means, you know, um, the fair Time one is fight. happening that day. And yeah. Charlie doesn't have a plan yet. Um, but Percy brings uh, flapjacks and pancakes instead. Uh, he eats those. Charlie eats those. And then... Uh, I kind of tells him, look, we have one more day for the hurt to rest. At least, like, you know, we're gonna have three days probably max before the next fair yeah. one. You need to have like a plan, like now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what Charlie does instead is he starts doing push-ups because that kind of helps him calm down, relax. Which I don't relate to that. <laughs> I hate push-ups. push-ups <laughs> I hate suck. push-ups. They're terrible. They're terrible. I agree. Um, <laughs> so he starts. He starts doing push-ups, and as he's doing push-ups, he thinks about um how like laughter like inspiration just kind of comes out of nowhere so he thinks about he thinks about when he read dracula um in it there's a like a quote that says um uh, something about laughter and about how the author of dracula i think i think the author of dracula yeah um called it king laugh and he said that king laugh didn't knock but only barged in so it just kind of like i said comes out of nowhere so he thinks about how inspiration is also the same way it just kind of comes out of nowhere and like one moment it's not there and the next it is and you can't really figure out why your your brain went to that um but as he's doing push-ups he gets this inspiration and he gets this idea and he realizes that like this is the idea that you know of how to escape that he needed yeah and so he he calls i to him and uh sticks to and tells him this plan that he has and he mentions um he doesn't say exactly what it is yet but he mentions his mother's hair dryer and kind of explains about that. And he tells uh, Stooks and I to spread the word and tell yeah. them what their plan is. So his plan so that's the his, end of section. His plan was spawned from his hair dryer dream, which I believe is because he's royalty too. The royals can send him dreams like they sent each other dreams early on. Because remember yeah. when they when he so that's actually the Princess Leia sending him a dream to try and tell him something. Uh, we're using the hair dryer as an example. That's all. You can continue Maybe. now. How would she know what a okay. hairdryer is, though? I don't know. Oh, well. Anyway, continue. <laughs> um, so that's the end of section four. Section five is really short. Um, it's just sausages the next day. Um, and Charlie, so they know now it's fair ones coming today. Um, Charlie gets, everyone else gets three links. Charlie gets four. And in each of his four links, there's a wooden match. Um, mm-hmm. So he has an idea of what they're for, but doesn't know for sure. Uh, so that's the end of section five. Uh, section six, 
they're waiting and Aaron comes Wait. in our our phone. Yes. When he got the matches, I still was like, oh, bomb is happening for sure. Even when he got the matches, <laughs> my brain was like, oh, time for a bomb. Absolutely time for a bomb. He got <laughs> matches to light the bomb. But no. <laughs> nope. No. <laughs> um, but so anyways, Aaron comes in, our, our favorite night boy, Aaron, um, comes in and he says, a good day for eight, a bad day for the rest. And hump, they hump. all kind of leave. <laughs> they all they all leave their cells and as they're walking uh charlie passes aaron and aaron like pauses him and he says you think you're special don't you um and he says the others think you're special don't they they'll learn better and charlie in response says traitor traitor to all you swore and this kind of makes aaron very angry and charlie can tell that he really just wants like aaron wants to just hit him in the head and like kill him immediately um, but he doesn't because Aaron knows that that would be a really bad idea for him yeah. because they need Charlie alive for the fair one. Pause. Um, also, Ch- Charlie okay. says about that, something else had spoken through me and had spoken true words. So Charlie didn't know exactly what he even referenced when he said that. He said that yeah. clearly referencing something, but it wasn't him who did that really. Like he didn't, it wasn't yeah. a thought through decision he made to say that, I guess, which is kind of strange. Yes. Um. But so instead of Aaron hitting him over the head like he wants to, he hits Charlie in the thigh and it makes his thigh bleed. Um, but that's the end of section six. Uh, section seven, they go into the team room where they've always been, um, which is two doors down from the officials room. So if you like if you remember, the officials room is the important room here. Right. Um, there's a poster board uh, set up in the middle of the room with all the names. So I will read that. Uh, so it says fair one second round. Uh, first set, it's supposed to be uh, Akka to Gully, which is basically a buy for Akka because Gully's dead. Um, Charlie to Jaya, so they Aww. would have been fighting. Yes. Um, Murph to Freed. And then the second set, Bendel to Bolt, Kamen to Stooks, Aeris to Quilly, and Double to Messel. And then the third set was supposed to be Amit to Iota. Yeah. So, um, Big boy fight definitely would have been, yes, definitely would have been some interesting fights had it happened. Um, but obviously, we know it didn't. And Charlie thinks about the fact that, yes, no matter what happens, they're not going to get the fight they want because Charlie figures they're either going to get out or they're all going to be killed. Right. So no matter what, the fight's not going to happen. Win-win. Kellen, what? What? What did you say? That'd be a (laughs) win-win. Oh, I had no idea what you said. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but uh, Kellen comes in, so the fun Lord High, our favorite, our favorite boy, our favorite love, skeleton love Kellen. boy. <laughs> um, he comes in and he says, here we are again. Some of you a little banged up, but no doubt ready and eager for battle. And he then calls Charlie Prince Charlie. And um, <laughs> Amit says, no, Lord High, we don't call him that. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> Um, and proceeds to insult Charlie, which Kellen really likes. And um, we also find out that the true prince is said to be able to change shape and float, which Charlie no way is he do. gonna he's gonna end up doing those two things, isn't he? He's definitely going to end up floating at some point and changing shape at some point. I don't know. Yes, you do, and he is. I actually don't. I don't <laughs> actually remember. <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, but at this point in time, Charlie cannot do these things. And so he tells Kellen that. And Kellen leaves and tells him to clean up and make themselves look good for Eldon and the other people who are with him. And so they agree to that. And he leaves. And all the night the night soldiers leave. And um, they all decide to go through, start going through their plan. And so basically... Uh, Charlie says, he tells, so there are 16, like, washing buckets laid out, and there's one even for Gully, which is kind of funny because Gully's dead, so yeah. it doesn't really need to be there. But, um, the, you know, they're all lined up. And basically, his plan is, he tells them, uh, so he tells Jaya and Eris, he says, Jaya and Eris, either side of the door, those two buckets have to be full to the top if they're not already. The rest of you take buckets, but get down on your hands and knees. And so, his plan is when um, the night soldiers come in to get them, Jay and Eris are going to throw water on them, and then we're going to see what happens from there. Because they're kind of electric. Um, so, yes, Jay and Eris get into get into position. Mm-hmm. And so that's the end of section seven. 
section eight, Eris start. It starts off with Eris hears footsteps, and Charlie says, "Wait until they get inside. They're not going to see you two immediately. They're going to see us first. And um, so they get prepared. And basically, the thought is here, like you said, the night soldiers are electric, and like the hair dryer, you obviously don't want to get anything that's electric, you wet, or else it like explodes, and." Mm-hmm everything is really bad so charlie's idea here is that's what's going to happen to the night soldiers we hope um yes so the night soldiers walk in and when charlie shouts now jay and eris douse them with water and they literally explode like that <laughs> from the front that's what happens they they yeah. explode and go boom, goodbye um <laughs> and the shotgun blast yes it's it's kind of brutal um but Kind of interesting, I think. It's yeah. definitely a good, a good plan. I'm almost surprised no one had ever. But I guess they don't have, like, if they don't have hair dryers and stuff here, they wouldn't know that that would happen. So I was say, yeah, and also, why no would you dump water on your captor? In general, why would you dump water on the fool? That seems pretty out of like that would be a weird thing to do in general. <laughs> it's true. Um, they should have waited for a, a day when it's they... raining to escape. <laughs> yeah. Um. But it's a good day. It's a good thing that they got down when they when they did because, like I said, it explodes. But it's like shrapnel everywhere, and some of them get like bone fragments stuck into them, which is an awful thing, I would imagine. Yeah, but not dead, um, so that's a win. Yeah, um, so they uh, you know, this happens. The two night soldiers explode, and so they head out of the room, which is now open. And they head towards the officials' room. So that's the end of section eight. Section nine, um, Amit and Iota are in the lead, and Eris has grabbed Gully's bucket because no one else has. And they head towards the officials' room, and as they're going, uh, they run into more night soldiers, and they trick the night soldiers into thinking that they, you know, thought they were all going out at the same time to fight, and so yeah. that they that way they get closer to them, and so. Amit and I throw water on them and they again explode. Everyone else gets down. Um, yeah. And so they start running towards the official's room. Um, the door to the official's room is locked, but Amit and I are able to bust it down. And so they all get in and uh, Charlie tells Bendel and Bolt to stay outside just in case if... Oh, Bendel, Bolt, and Double and Kamet. So all four of them to stay outside of the room. That way, if more come in, um, if more coming, those four can kind of protect the ones who are in the room trying to figure out how to get out. Splash them with water, and, too. Yeah. And so they do that, and they eventually get in. Everyone gets into the official's room. And um, Bendo, Double, and Kamet come in after having just killed six more uh, night soldiers. But unfortunately, we lose, we lose Bolt. Who didn't oh, make it? Poor Bolt. He done died. Yeah. He he got hugged by one of the night soldiers, which is probably like the worst way to go. Yeah. So that's really unfortunate. Um so he gets he gets held or he gets hugged and Bolt's dead. And um they find like a lant like a light switch, I think, and turn it on. And so now they can kind of see or not a light switch. I guess no, not a light switch. They found they find a lantern. Yeah. Um but they are able to see. I was thinking they were able to. They're able to see because um, when the night soldiers explode, there's like a flash of light, and so they're able to find. Uh, Percy had said that there's like a cabinet blocking mm-hmm. the um, the little like hidden door in the officials' room, and so they're able to see when the night soldiers explode. They're able to see the cabinet, and uh, I pushes it over. And they open the door, which is unlocked, which Charlie is surprised at at first until he realizes that in Percy's note, Percy had said door may be locked. And instead of spelling maybe like all one word, yeah. it's two words, which he realizes means that it may be locked from the inside. Yeah, it, like it's not from the it outside. It's able to be locked, not yes. uh, it might be locked. Yes. Um, Percy could have written that way less confusingly. Percy could have just written, (laughs) you can lock door. He also probably didn't have, well, yeah, that's true. I would say he probably (laughs) didn't have a lot of paper to write on, but I guess that's true. (laughs) Um, But they open the door and they they find this lantern and Charlie pulls out the match that he has and has I light the the lantern. Um, So I light the lantern and now they've they've got light, which is really good because it's really dark in this little tunnel they're going into. Um, yeah. 
Charlie hands him the the match and the lantern and tells them to go inside and then to shut the door behind him. And then Charlie's going to stay out by himself because he can hear more night soldiers coming. One of who is Aaron. So I want to do a quick dramatic reading here. Wonderful. Aaron appeared in the door, his blue aurora pulsing so bright it was hard to look at. And there I was, with a bucket dangling from one hand. He stopped, momentarily too startled by what he was seeing to move. Should have kept coming, I thought. I took a step forward and threw the bucket of water at him. I saw it in the air as if in slow motion. A big, amorphous crystal. The skull under Aaron's skin continued to grin, but on what remained of his human face I saw shocked surprise. I had just time to think of the Wicked Witch of the West screeching, I'm melting, I'm melting. He dropped his damn limber stick and raised one arm as if to block what was coming. I went flat just before the brilliant detonation sent Aaron into what I sincerely hoped was a hellish afterlife. Bones flew above me, but not all of them passed harmlessly. This time it wasn't a bee sting in the arm, but lines of pain along my scalp and across my left shoulder. I got to my feet, staggered, and turned to the door. I could hear others coming now. I wished for more water, and there was a sink on the far side of the room, but there was no time. I lifted the latch and pulled, expecting the door to be locked. It wasn't. I went in, closed it, and grabbed the lantern by its wooden handle. I lowered it and saw two bolts. They looked sturdy. I hoped to God they were. Just as I shot the second one, I saw the inner latch lift, and the door began to rattle in its frame. I stepped back. The door was wood, not metal, but I still didn't want to risk getting shocked. He did it! So that's the end of Aaron. Yay! Yay goodbye, Aaron! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> um, all- I just wanted to read that because I think it's interesting the way it's explained how Aaron explodes. Yeah. We all hate Aaron. All my, also, all the real homies all hate, hate Aaron. Aaron. <laughs> yes. Um, so uh, at this point, they're, Charlie's in the... They're all in the tunnel. So everyone... All the living prisoners are in the tunnel. Um, there's the night soldiers on the other side of the door banging. They say open open the name of Elden flight killer and someone responds in a really funny response um which i think is funny um and she's not like, going to tell you the, the um, funny response though you have to read it it's no. at the top of 470 <laughs> i'm not going to read it for you you do it yourself it's inappropriate i know um <laughs> but uh, Charlie turns and he looks at his his fellow prisoners and is like, "Oh, they're you know they're waiting for me to lead them," mm-hmm. and so he starts leading them through the tunnel, which is fairly easy because it only goes in one direction. Yep. Um, it's really really dark. Uh, so they're really glad they have this lantern because if they didn't, uh, they'd be stuck in this really dark tunnel, which would be no fun. Yep. Um, and so Charlie starts shouting, "Do you want to live forever?" And they all kind of start shouting this together. Um, and then they all start laughing. And so that's the end of the chapter. Yay! Alrighty. Yay. We need to speed run. We are already over an hour in our recording time. So we're going to speed yeah. run this ending. <laughs> Normally the ending section like... takes like 20 minutes by itself. So we're going to do our best. <laughs> I feel like that section took me forever to get through. Because there was so much that happened. Was that I had. I couldn't just skim through it. I had to go through in detail everything that happened. To be <laughs> I fair, was like going and I was like how. I've, I've literally talked for like 30 minutes. <laughs> to be fair this is also the week we read the most. This week the reading was, was more than any other reading we've ever done uh, for this show. So it makes sense that it took us a while. Because there was more just more stuff that happened. Um, you right. And so he. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go again. Theory time. Let me go. They're going to emerge in the city somewhere. This tunnel is going to take them somewhere outside the castle in the city. But the rest of the night soldiers Uh are going to be on their tail because they're going to know where the tunnel comes out. And so it's going to be a race. As they get close to the door, they're going to be panicking. They're not going to know what to do. And they're going to look behind them and be like, oh, no, the night soldiers are right here. And then a, a group of the royalty family are going to appear at the castle gates and help them somehow through the other end. Um. And then the the cricket is going to say, Jiminy. And then uh, <laughs> that's going to be what happens next chapter. Okay. If you say so. <laughs> I feel like that's a good theory. <laughs> Pretty solid. Uh, <laughs> is there anything else you want me to theorize about? Um, I don't think so, to be honest. I think you covered it. Sick nasty. All right. Now that means it's time to rank the characters. Woo! Okay, let's get this party started. Sydney, you want to read week 14's list for me? Yes, I absolutely do. So we have 
Charlie, Radar, Claudia, Dora, Percy, Leia, Woody, Dad, Lindy, Jaya, Eris, Doc, Freed, Melissa, Arnetta, Mrs. Richland, Flada, Iota, Stooks, Jenny, Andy Chen, Miscellaneous Travelers, Leia's Maid, Leon Braddock, Mrs. Ravensburger, Herbie. Fully loaded. Tom, Dead Baby Trio, Bill Harriman, Burned, Mrs. Zippy, Mr. Massensick, Mr. Ackerley, Mrs. Silvius, Officer Wilmark, Officer Cooper, C.C. Craig, Detective Gleason, Birdie, Amit, Coach Harkness, and then I Wish You in Jail Tear, Christopher Polly, and Hannah, and I Wish You Were Dead Tear, Peterkin, Aaron, Claw, Kellen, and then our Actually Dead Tear, Bodich, Hammy, Mom, Fremmy, Heinrich, Yano, and Jacka. Wonderful. Good job, Sydney. Alrighty. So, first things first, I think we go through and, and all the people who died in the fair one. Uh, let's go through the ones that we know. Did we ever okay. hear from Tom? Um, I don't think so, really. Well, I guess Tom is on our list, so we must have. Okay, shove Tom down to the dead tier. Uh, Dami, like, is he on the list anywhere? Dami, we did. Dami was the one who coughed a lot, so we heard from him a little. I don't know that he's on our list, though. Let me see. Uh... Yeah, I don't see him on our I mean, list. okay, he's fine then. Dash, have you heard from Dash? No, we have not heard from Dash, really. I know we didn't hear from Eva, Hatcha, or Pag. Yeah. Um, we didn't hear from Burned, Hilt, or Viz. We have Burned We on did our hear list. from Claw. Okay, then shove Burned to the dead tier. Yeah. We did hear from Claw as well. Yes. Claw can, is also going to move down to the dead tier. Um. And then also the only other people who died have do we have have we do we rank uh, Bolt? Um, no, I do not think so. But he, I feel like so, talked. I feel like all the ones that like made it to the attempted escape should be put in the dead tier because they made it that far. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. I was thinking the Bolt was was uh, Gully because Gully died the night as well. Yeah, we could add Gully too. Gully and Bolt both should be added. I think for of course to go into the dead tier. Yeah. Um, so you tell me the order and I'll put them in the order I think you think is right. Tell me the dead tier order you think is right. I mean, I'm fine with whatever. They didn't really do much, so they can probably just go. I think Gully and Bolt can go above Yano and Jacka because I think they did more than those two did, like in uh, the story. Above Yakko and, and Jaha? That's Bully uh, and uh, Gully and Bolt, right? Yes. I had them backwards. I had Bully and Bolt, so I was like, <laughs> that doesn't sound right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, it makes sense for them to go above above Yako and Jacka. Uh, how do we you feel about Tom uh, too? Tom, where should where should Tom go? Um, Tom, I think can just go below Bolt, and I think Burned is the same way. I think we can put him, you know, below them too. Like I don't know that they necessarily matter because they didn't really do too much. Tom and Burned, you said? Yeah. Awesome. And then also dead, we have Claw. I think he deserves to go at the bottom of the dead tier. I think Aaron deserves bottom, bottom of dead tier. Yeah, Claw can be second to bottom of dead tier. Yes. That makes sense to me. Um, all right, who else did we did we hear from that died? Okay. Nobody, I think. I think that's everybody, right? All right, let's go through the characters that we heard from who lived then. Well, we also um, need to add the new characters. So I think we should do those. The new ones should go last. Let's, okay. let's add the new ones last. Let's, let's okay. rearrange the old ones and we can add the new ones okay. in. Amit. Amit. Uh, I think Amit was hot-headed but helpful. I think he goes yeah. up a little bit from I where he, he was. I think he up a little, yeah. So where do you think? Where do you want to put him? Uh, I say we put him... I think he can honestly go all the way up above like Andy Chen. That's it seems like a solid space for Amit to me. Um, okay, next new character. Next character we saw Stooks, Mr. Cheekhole. Where should I Mr. Cheekhole go? Can probably I think Stooks can move up a little bit too because he was kind of helpful. You know, he Yeah. You know, he was kind of helpful. He was helping the others, you know, prepare and everything. I think above Melissa. Yes. I think I agree Stooks with that. above Melissa. Mm-hmm. I think Iota above Stooks. Yes. Iota can go above Doc, I think. Yeah, Doc I can think go right below Doc Iota. Goes, yeah. And then I think Jaya and Eris stay basically where they are. Yeah. Is that all of the returning characters um, we saw? Charlie, obviously, I think stays at the top. Though we kind of saw, yeah. technically, we saw we saw Percy, too. Percy. He was very helpful. I don't think, he, I love Dora so much. Yeah, but we haven't seen Dora in a long time. I think Percy has to go above Dora. Okay, Percy can beat Dora. I think... And Cla- no, Claudia was helpful this chapter. She sent yeah, the letter. Claudia was technically there too this chapter. 
Yeah, she can say where she is. I like where yeah. she is. I think that stays. Um, um, so now we just need to add the three new characters we saw. So we saw Petra, Eldon, and Red Molly, which I think... Okay, they all... I wish think, you were dead for Petra and Eldon at least. Yes. Um, Red Molly, I think, can go wish you were in jail below her mother, Hannah. Fair enough. She's just she's just a, a basically forced to be a meat killer. Yes. Like she's just kind of a murderer who's not doesn't yes. have much of a choice. Do you hate Petra and Eldon more than you hate Kellen? I I think I do. They suck bad. Okay. Uh, hmm. I would agree maybe with that Kellen can beat Petra. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like Petra, but I feel like she's just kind of doing what she feels like she has to do to survive, even though it's really nasty. Right. Kellen right. is just awful. And then Eldon, obviously, is the worst because he is the whole reason this is all happening. So, Absolutely. Um, and then I think that's everybody, I think, right? I think that's everybody, yeah. Um, all righty then. That is... A lot of character movement. So you ready uh, for the new list? Yep. Here it goes. Who should I read it as? Oh, I'm doing it as Ellen Eldon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is going to be tough. This is going to be stupid. <laughs> Harley, Charlie, Radar, Claudia, Percy, Dora, Leia, Witty, Dad, Lindy, Jaya, Eris, Iota, Doc, Freed, Stooks, Melissa, Arnetta, Mrs. Richland, Falada, Jenny, Amit, Dandy, Chun, Miscellaneous Travelers. Leah's maid, Leon Braddock, Mrs. Ravensburger, Herbie. Fully loaded. Dead baby trio, Bill Harriman, Mississippi, Mr. Mason Sick, Mrs. Ac- Mr. Ackerley, Mrs. Sovius, Officer Wilmark, Officer Cooper, C.C. Craig, Detective Gleason, Birdie, Coach Harkness, Wish in Jail, Christopher Polly, Hannah Red Molly, Wish You Were Dead, Peterkin, Petra, Kellen, Eldon, Actually Dead, Bowditch, Hammy, Mom, Fremmy, Heinrich, Gully, Bolt, Tom, Byrne, Yano, Jacka, Claw, and Aaron. Good I job. lost the voice. <laughs> In the I wish you were tell. dead, it just became me. In the I, it started hurting, and so at wish you were dead, it just kind of became Colton's voice. It's um, fine. Wow, that's a wicked long list, but we're through really it. We made it to the long. end. <laughs> so long. We Alrighty. have so many characters. <laughs> See, we have so many. We thank you all so much for listening, though. We really, really appreciate you being here. Um, yes. We have really enjoyed, as we've advertised mid-episode perfectly smooth, you wouldn't even notice it was there. <laughs> you should go check out our Instagram and Patreon, both of which have been advertised earlier. Um, yeah, Sydney, what, what are they reading next week? Um, next week, we are reading chapter 26 and 27, so make sure you have those read. Or else Sydney will cut off your pizzle. <laughs> you knew it was coming. Uh, <laughs> you were warned. You knew ahead it was coming, but I, I, I was so excited to say it. Um, <laughs> we appreciate you being here and listening. Uh, thank you to Alesia for the in- use of his song "Windrunner Remake" as the intro and outro of our program. We really, really appreciate it. It's a great music. You should check it out. Uh, that's everything I have to say. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Colton Pratt, and I'm Sydney Lyerly. I love you. Peace. Why are you still here? The show's over.